0: Welcome to Ex Libris On Air, and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air, this is J. Douglas Barker. My author joins me from the Middle East, actually, and uh, she has written a book titled Life Raft. And joining me from, see, I've already lost my way. United
1: Arab Emirates.
0: That's it. United Arab Emirates. Easy for you to say. Is my author, Paula Ashcraft. Welcome, Paula. Good visiting with you.
1: Well, thank you. I'm excited to do this. My book is an exciting book.
0: You have told, at least in writing, a little of the background of how this got written. I am curious about it. The title, Life Raft, certainly is intriguing. I also understand from our personal conversation, you have a daughter who's written many, many things, but has never been published. Why did you decide to write a book titled Life Raft? What's the significance?
1: Well, when we were spending more time in Florida than we are overseas, my husband's kind of a contractor of sorts and we're over here working a job and by doing that it's allowed me a lot of time to write and this book came about because he went on a Cub Scout trip or a Boy Scout trip out to Fort Jefferson Island
2: Mm. which
1: is about seven about 70 miles west of Key West it's a really pretty cool island out there in the middle of nowhere but it's pretty close to Cuba. And while he was there and they were camping out overnight, he heard a bunch of yelling and screaming in Spanish. And at first he thought it was his Boy Scouts, but then he realized they're all speaking Spanish. And though some of his boys did, not very many did. Hmm. So he got up and went out and found this was a Cuban boat landing where a bunch of young men had taken parts of cars and and roofs of houses and such like that, and took a lawnmower engine and created a vessel. I wouldn't call it a boat.
0: Yes, fascinating.
1: (laughs) And they were able to make it across the water to to Fort Jefferson, which is an American uh, territory. And because they did that at that time, the wet foot dry foot policy was still legal. So once they made it to American Shore, then they were able to apply for citizenship a year later. Wow. So that was a pretty exciting thing. Now, I didn't actually see it, but my husband took a picture, and he brought it home, and he told me the story, and it just stuck with me. So later when I was um, thinking about writing a book, and a friend of mine said, well, why don't you just do it? I thought about that and thought about the people that we lived around in Florida, the Latin community, and we just really enjoyed the beautiful spirit of those people, and this came to be. We um, are very much water people. My husband and I love boats. We love just the whole concept of being out um, with nature and the in, on the water, and it just came about. So Life Raft, you can almost say... That it's about, you know, finding security in the in the roughness of the world, but it's also poignant to, to the story because it is a boat involved in the story.
0: Uh, this is the first first novel you have released. Is that a correct understanding of of your writing skills and your writing background,
1: Jay? That's correct.
0: And this is almost I, almost 300 pages. That's a very ambitious uh, attempt at uh, first novel or first uh, release. How long did it take, Paula, to complete this?
1: <laughs> That's almost a scary thing to talk about. <laughs> this, <laughs> this book um, I started, and it took me about three years for the first book. I will have to admit that because, like many first-time writers, you – don't know what you're doing, and the first thing you're scared of is to let someone else read it, and then once, you know, besides your spouse, yes, and then once somebody else finally says that it's good, then you feel a little more comfortable letting it go a little bit farther.
0: The style of the content, how would you describe it? Uh, Is it an adventure novel? Is it driven by character or... Uh, th- there's a lot of pages here. Uh, how are they going to be, as a reader, kept interested in the content?
1: Well, it's kind of an action-adventure novel, um, but it's set in today's time frame. It's actually about a lot of characters. But it starts out in Washington, D.C., basically, and then it goes ends up in Florida. So all of my characters are individual personalities, And I had a review, and it said, if you can keep the characters straight. But he said I laid it out well enough that he didn't have a problem with figuring out where I was going when with the characters. But the characters run the story. The story is about a young Cuban male who gets mixed up with the mob in Washington, D.C. Is that that
0: Victor, by the way, Victor Ramos, or is that uh, someone else?
1: That's Julio.
0: Julio. Okay. So I
1: actually start my book. I actually start my book with a, a look back, um, with this young, with this elder, older man, Victor Ramos, who works for the FBI, and it's kind of a look back on him starting out in Chicago, and then he comes to Washington D.C. working for the FBI. Mm. But my young Cuban man, he's the one that gets mixed up with the mob and Victor Ramos is getting into the mob to work for the FBI. Wow. But the young Cuban man gets and ends up getting um, also tagged by the FBI to work for them. So he's in this volleyball back and forth trying to figure out who to trust, who not to trust. And now his life is in danger or he thinks his life is in danger because he's being tossed back and forth between these two big conglomerates, mob, bots, and the FBI.
0: And Jack Winters, who is he, and how does he fit into the story?
1: The book starts out in Washington, and it ends up in in Florida, but Key Largo. Mm. And Jack Winters is a man, a businessman in Key Largo, that ends up being intertwined in the story because he finds the boat that he finds the boat out in the middle of the ocean. And then he ends up being mixed up in, in the story because he finds um, the life raft. He finds the life raft and that life raft is important to the story. Yes. And he also gets intertwined with the female FBI agent who is looking for the young man who disappeared from Washington, D.C., to Julio Torres. So this is actually also has a very strong female character, Sierra, Cort- Sierra Cortez. She's a very strong um, FBI agent who is going out there trying to save this young man, Julio, from, from his boss it's kind of intertwined but it ends up in florida and it ends up with two teenage boys getting mixed up in it and jack Winters getting mixed up in it because he finds the life raft
0: and when you say and the then, when you say the life raft you're referring to a physical life raft correct
1: a a physical life raft off of a yacht hmm. from from the that was that's owned by the mob boss, Juan Perón.
0: Well, it sounds exciting yes. so far. Now, the the <laughs> book itself, did, did, you, did you have an outline of characters when you began, or was this something that uh, creativity just drove the storyline?
1: I have to admit that the outline was pretty much created halfway through the book. <laughs> because the book kind of drove itself, and then the characters kind of came in. I, I'd like to say that I'm one of these very you know, outline-driven kind of writers, but I'm really not. I'm more of let the story go where it's going to go. And as I'm working on the second one now, the second book, then I'm actually letting it do that again. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to some of the characters that are left at the end of the first
0: book. Will it be a sequel, then, uh, to what you've written here?
1: Yeah, the way, the way I tell people is at the end of book one, the life raft, there's going to be a lot of questions answered. Beautiful. But there's going to be some that you're going to say, but what about this? So yes, it's kind of a
0: sequel. As a video guy, I, a I, I've done some video, not a whole lot. It's not like I'm uh, in Hollywood and well known or anything of that nature. But would you describe uh, maybe one or two of the incidences in the book that are full of excitement and uh, and action? Did you uh, include that in the in the penning of this novel?
1: Well, it's it's hard to tell what someone's going to decide as exciting. Um, but i think in my prologue when i talked about talk about victor ramos and this fbi agent that's intertwined in in a mob organization in chicago and when his in that prologue his boss is taken down by the fbi and killed mm. and he's trying to figure out why am i so saddened like i just lost my father so he's trying to figure out what side of the line is he actually on so that's our victor ramos so it's it's kind of interesting in the first prologue there and then another chapter that i really like is um my main character julio julio gets put on a yacht um, by his boss and he has to decide is he being put on that yacht to do something good for his boss or is his boss trying to kill him because he knows he's working for the FBI. Wow. So there's a scene in Chapter 7 that I call Murder at the Dock that our young Julio is trying to kill the pilot of the yacht. They call him Captain Max. So he tries to figure out how to kill this man so that he's afraid he's get, he's been hired to kill Julio himself.
0: This book, because it has, I would say, I don't know if violence or not, but there, there are some violent scenes in it, is this uh, suitable <laughs> for, for all ages? Or who did you have in mind when you began this adventure?
1: When I started this book, one of the things that, as a writer, I don't like a lot of foul language, because I think it takes away from what you're trying to do. Agree. And that is, and that is tell what somebody's thinking.
2: Mm-hmm. throwing
1: out an expletive to me doesn't tell me what someone's thinking it tells me that they have nothing to say
2: <laughs> correct okay i agree so, with that
1: so my yeah so my thing was i don't want my teenage child reading something that's just full of the you know the f word or the you know whatever word that they're throwing out there right i want my child to actually think about what this person's thinking about in their mind while they're dealing with the problem. So my books are, I think, teenager and above because there is not foul language, and it's really about the turmoil of the emotion that, someone's, that everyone's going through that nobody sees. Because you only see people from how they present themselves to you. True. You don't really see what's going on in their mind. And they need to understand, teenagers and above, that everybody is not created by what, or not, they're not just what you see on the outside. Everybody's going through something.
0: That everybody approach, has a
2: deeper story.
0: That's a great approach to writing and uh, life living also. I, I certainly support that. That's a, that's a great approach to, to life. One of the other fascinating things I found about your background that uh, in your Your history, your family history, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, was also somehow connected to to you or is connected to you in in your history. And uh, maybe that desire to write might have uh, spilled over. Do you think there's some connection there, perhaps?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting, my history. I love my history because when I go back and go out a few generations back, you know, I get to find connections with um, Betsy Ross and Claypool, you know, there's, uh, Claypool are very good writers as well. And, and my grandmother, she was a poet and, and, you know, so on both sides of my family, I have the Henry Wadsworth Longfellow who I love his mu his poetry and his writing. And on the other side of my family, I have, you know, like, um, Claypool and, and, um, Betsy Ross and, and like that, and I just love that we have, I have that history in my life.
0: That's a it fascinating makes connection. It
1: also me try to be a better person. <laughs> it tries to make, helps me be a better
0: person. From your description of the book Life Raft, that this book would be not only enjoyable to read, but fascinating, and has a good underlying message, is there a moral to the story?
1: I didn't... <laughs> There is a moral to the story. The, the moral is that we all have complex lives. Yes. And that no matter where you come from, whether you're from a different country, from a different background, from a different race, whatever the situation. And I wish we wouldn't label people, right. first of all. Yes. But it, it doesn't matter where you come from. You have a story. And I I know on my Facebook page, I put my writing my next chapter or my life is never going to end because it's a chapter after a chapter. Mm. The whole idea is, is that we are our own stories and everybody has a history and everybody has a life that's exciting. And sometimes we don't think so. We always think everybody else is more exciting than us and that we're boring. But when you sit down and we talk about our lives, my husband and I were kind of nomads. We have lived a lot of different places across the United States, a couple different countries. We're always open for adventure and we love adventure. And I know that other people coming to that actually go outside of their comfort zone and actually try new things and, and look at the world differently, they create so many stories. And those stories need to be told. And I just hope that somebody will find a connection with this book.
0: Yes, I believe they will. This, uh, this again, is the first in, I would call it, a series. And then the next book is uh, titled Life or Death. <laughs> uh, Paula, where do my listeners yeah. get a copy of Life Raft? And how do they get in touch with you?
1: Well, I have a Life Raft um, Facebook page. I also have an author page with Ex Libris. So, exlabris dot com, Paula Ashcraft, backslash I believe Paula Ashcraft, and also you can get my book on Amazon dot com. And since actually I'm overseas, I can get the book. is also available on Amazon dot ae, Amazon dot uk, Amazon dot India dot Australia. I was looking it up. But we were on a cruise a couple of weeks ago and. Last week, and uh, we were talking to some people from the U.K., we were talking to some people from Australia, and I was showing them on Google how they can look up my book on the Internet.
0: Fantastic. So it
1: is it is all over. Plus, you know, you can get it on Goodreads, barnesandnoble.com. There's a lot of, if you just look up life Raft slash Paula Ashcraft, you will find
0: my book. Excellent, and Ashcraft and is spelled in- yes, and Ashcraft is spelled A S H C R A F T. When you're doing a search under Paula Ashcraft, uh, you can also yeah. uh, order it from your local bookseller by uh, by requesting it by the name of the book, Life Raft or by the author Paula Ashcraft. Paula, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story from the Middle East, and uh, hopefully you're having a good evening because it is later in the day than it is in the United States. It's been a pleasure (laughs) visiting with you.
1: Thank you so much, Jay. I really appreciate it, and it's been great speaking with you.
0: My pleasure for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Libris returns after these short messages. Congratulations on getting your book published.
3: The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcasts. The subjects our podcast cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach, from life coaching to military resources to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at nine zero three seven eight seven five eight eight zero or email him at scott at toginetradio That's s c o t t at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O
2: dot com.
0: Welcome back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The title of the book is The History of College Nicknames, Mascots, and School Colors. And joining me from Pennsylvania is the author, Gary Hudson. Welcome, sir, to the program.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me
0: this is a fascinating idea because i uh as many others who are observers of sports and and other things don't always connect with the uh, the mascot or the symbols that are represented by those schools or those entities why did this become something that was of interest to you and why did you put it in in book form
3: well basically all this started uh back in 1976 um that was the same year that my brother actually started his, first, his freshman year at the University of Pittsburgh. And uh, ironically, uh, in, the, in the 1976-77 season, that was the year that Pitt actually won a national championship with uh, Tony Dorsett, their star running back. So back in 1976, when my brother started um, uh, at Pitt, that's when I really started looking at uh, college football because I was following the University of Pittsburgh. So then uh, throughout that whole season, um, I started looking at other college football games and I, uh, <clears throat> I realized that, um, you know, all these schools had different uh, nicknames and colors and, and mascots. And uh, I told myself, you know, what, I, I found that very interesting. And I, I told myself that at some point in time, I would like to, uh, to write a book about it. So um, it wasn't until 1995, uh, uh, right around the um, the start of the uh, the internet era where um I got a computer and uh, I started to uh, to write the book because at that point in time um you know on the internet it was relatively easier to get a lot of information.
0: Absolutely, so, this uh, this is an interesting, I, uh, very interesting topic for sure. Uh, the the yeah. thing the thing that also is amazing or interesting about your background, uh, you were an airport manager, uh, being an author, or you know you would think someone maybe that was a maybe was a coach or something would would have this interest. Uh, so that makes your book a little bit unique from that perspective as well. How many schools are represented in your book? Do you know?
3: I believe it's a uh, hundred and I think it's one hundred and forty-five. Um, wow! Somewhere around there, yeah.
0: And and as you yeah, as you begin to research this, did you come across anything that was uh, unusual or uh, maybe unique in how that mascot was uh, assigned to a college or a university? I know there are some stories out there that are pretty unusual. I don't know if they made it to your book.
3: Well, that's the the one unique thing about my book. Um, I would say just about every story in there is very, very unique. Um, they all have a really nice twist to it in terms of uh, how uh, the mascot and, and colors of, um, you know, were, were decided. And, and, um, that, and that's one of the reasons why I really uh, enjoyed writing the book. And uh, because of that, I think that a lot of people, um, they get a hold of my book and they start reading they will feel the same way because
0: some of these stories are very very fascinating Mm. and you don't always focus i mean you haven't always focused on uh, on the biggest schools that uh, everyone would know by name perhaps I, i i noticed one that i'm not familiar with troy university where is that located and what's unique about it
2: Troy.
3: Uh where is Troy University? <laughs> There's so many. Troy University is actually located it's in the Sunbelt District. Hmm. So one of the reasons why I chose these schools is because I, I focused in on uh on schools that have um that partake in that have Division One one A football program.
2: Ah, great.
3: And yeah, it's because of those schools that have those programs, those are the schools that tend to get a lot more uh, exposure on television um, and any school that is going to have a division 1a football program that means that all of the other sports programs will also compete um, in division 1a athletics okay. so my philosophy now that was that uh, those schools because they get more exposure um, the college uh, sports fan or the sports fan in general would be more inclined and interested to know about those schools because they get the most exposure.
0: Beautiful. It, was there one university or one mascot or story of that mascot that stands out in your mind that was uh, perhaps one that either surprised you or you think is uh, is a fun, fun read?
3: Okay, well, <laughs> it's funny you should ask. That I'll give you one example. And this this one actually um, stuck in my mind from the very beginning. And, uh, it hits close to home because that's what Temple University is. Hmm. Uh, the reason why uh, they Temple derived that the nickname, school colors, and mascot is, the, is for the following reason. In the city of Philadelphia, um, you have the University of Pennsylvania and you have Drexel University. Well, you know, long time ago, um, if you wanted to go to one of those schools, those schools were basically for the wealthy. So one of the reasons why Temple University was established was because Temple, they wanted to uh, provide uh, education for the working class person. Yes, and because most people, working class people, work during the day, that means that they uh, would have free time at night. So initially, Temple University was a night school. Mm. So once they actually started competing in um, athletics. When it came time for them to decide on a, uh, a nickname, they chose the owl uh-huh. because two reasons. Number one, an owl is a nocturnal animal,
2: yes. but
3: also an owl symbolizes wisdom. And the reason why they chose the colors of uh, cherry and white is because they wanted to be unique. And at that point in time, no other school had those colors. So
0: they chose Cherry and White for, the, for that reason. Fascinating. Fascinating. And Gary, there's there's so many stories in here and uh, colleges, universities, and uh, outlined, uh, as you mentioned, uh, well over 100 for sure. And um, did it take a long time to get this in an order that you were comfortable with? Uh, was there any particular order, or did you just, uh, as you assembled it, put it in book form? Um, well, of course, I uh,
3: I, I put the tools in alphabetical order in my book good okay um and um in, in in getting all this information um it i actually started writing the book in 1995 and i didn't complete it until uh this past summer uh I it was in july of uh, 2019 mm. but well all those years uh i'll I may work on the book for a couple of months and then I might not work on it again for another year or two. So it was always stop and go. So what ended up happening was, um, in July of last, of last year I had 20 schools left that I needed to, uh, to knock out. And I told myself, I said, Gary, you know what? Just go ahead and just finish this book. And, and that's what I did. And, uh, <laughs> I'm glad that I did. Um, <laughs>
0: have you have you had a background as a writer i mean have you written other things i know you've been in management and leadership in in several positions but uh has there been writing attached to your background uh you know either in short stories or i don't know maybe in business uh articles that kind of thing
3: no um, actually no this is my my first book i mean as an airport manager i i uh i do write a lot but um uh, this was actually the, the first book that I ever um, was able to uh, to write.
0: Fascinating. Have you had uh, responses from it yet? I mean, ha- how has been the response of those who have read it? Uh, as you mentioned, I think, earlier, this is the kind of book that, you know, you'd look up your favorite school or one that you wanted to uh, research a little bit, and it's it's right there at your fingertips, and it's not a long read per per school. Well,
3: um so far, the response that I got were um, I got a few responses from uh, some people um, that I know that I have given my book to. Um, also, uh, back in uh, late December, I did a, a book signing um, at a local sports bar here in King of Prussia, and um, uh, I was able to talk to some of the people that like going to this particular establishment and, um, they, uh, they gave me their, their viewpoint on the book and they, they thought that it was a fascinating read and, uh, they thought that it was very easy to comprehend. Uh, and they were happy with the fact of how uh, they had that book. So I've been getting a whole lot of, um, I'll be getting all, all my responses have been positive, Beautiful. Um, but, uh, we're still very, very early in the stages of getting the book out there. Uh, 2020 is when um, I plan on the book getting a lot of a lot of exposure nationally.
0: Fantastic. You have part of your book uh, towards the end is uh, dealing with school trivia. Was that difficult to research and find uh, maybe odd stories or something in the trivia area that uh, that would be attached to a school?
3: Well, in terms of of finding the trivia, it was actually pretty easy because when I went back and I started looking at uh, the stories behind each school, um, that's when I was able to actually come up with uh, some of these uh, trivia questions. It was based on uh, the historical data that I had uh, comprehended. So it was very easy
0: to do. Fantastic. You obviously, although it took a while to complete, I'm sure there's great satisfaction in the fact that it is a completed work at this point. Uh, do you f- foresee maybe uh, dabbing into the – dabbing? Uh, getting uh, another book uh, published in the future? Are you interested in other subject, subjects that might uh, transcend into a book?
3: Um, at this point in time I was maybe thinking about possibly um doing uh, um writing another book of the same caliber but dealing with uh historical uh black colleges and universities.
0: Oh fantastic. So
3: that's something um uh, has crossed my mind. I'm not sure if I'm gonna go ahead and um proceed in doing that, but uh that has crossed
0: my mind. I, I like that idea. There, there are a lot of uh, fascinating characters in Black history that I, I think, need to be highlighted and focused upon. I, I come across them occasionally in Facebook and other places, and. Uh, <clears throat> I uh, I personally am very uh, fascinated and honored by some of that history. I think it's f- great and needs to be uh, focused on a little bit more than it has been. Now, your book is uh, 162 pages. Uh, what do you think is the the uh, uniqueness of the book? Are there others out there in the marketplace like this?
3: Well, there are, I believe. We have the books um, on the market right now that touch on uh, similar subjects, um, there's one book that uh, specifically talks about nicknames. Um, there's another one that talks about, I think, school colors and um, and mascots. Hmm. But my, my book is the only book that actually covers all three
0: items. Beautiful. Well, it's a fascinating book. Again, the, the read is uh, relatively short, 162 pages, and it's a great reference book for anybody that loves sports, loves college sports specifically and um, the uh, title of which is The History of College, Nicknames, Mascots, and School Colors. Uh, Gary Hudson has been my guest. Gary, my listeners will want to get a copy of this, especially those who who love sports. Where How do they do so?
3: Well, uh, the best way to go about getting a copy of my book is if you go right to my website, and uh, that web address is uh, author garyhudson.com if you go to that website um, it will take you right to um, Ex-, Ex Libris which is the self-publishing company that created my book and you can uh, order the book online right from there
2: Fantastic. Um,
3: the, book, the book is also available on Amazon but it's going to require a little bit more navigating to try and get to, uh, to where my book is located and that's why I suggest that just go to my website. It's like, uh, very easy to find when you go that way because it goes right to my book and you can order it. Excellent. Um, one more thing I just wanted to add in closing is that uh, just on February 26th, my book actually got a starred review from uh, Pacific Book Review.
0: Fantastic. And
3: uh, if, you know, if you know anything about Pacific Book Review, what that company does is they have reviewers that um, – make it a point to, uh, look, to look at books, to read books, and uh, they actually will go ahead and formulate uh, an opinion about the book. And in my case, um, the author was very um, fascinated by the fact that how he thought my writing was very modest, um, uncomplicated, and easy to comprehend. And uh, he also liked the layout
0: of the book. Good. And that's
3: the reason why I got that star review.
0: Excellent. Well, congratulations, Gary, on that. And uh, listeners, do a search under Gary's name, G-A-R-Y, last name Hudson, H-U-D-S-O-N. You can find this book about Hudson college history, nicknames, mascots, and school colors, and uh, also anything that might come out in the future, you can also find his website. Thank you, Gary, for sharing your story with us today. And Thank you for having me. Well, my pleasure. Best of luck and for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Only once every few years does a show come along that makes you think, makes you care, makes you believe the impossible. A show featuring only the best in writing, acting, and directing. Until that show comes along, we suggest Paranoria, Texas. Thrilled to the adventures of six super-powered nerds on a never-ending quest to take over the world and to complete their collection of She-Hulk comics. Paranoria, Texas, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on AstronetRadio.com. back to Ex Libris. Readings for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled Fury, A Gannett Brothers S- uh, Saga 2, and joining me is the author of this novel and uh, the second in a series, Tina Louise Atkins. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Tina, you uh, apparently are fascinated by writing. How long has this uh, passion been there? Have you always been a writer as far as articles and things? Maybe not published, but just uh, wanted to write and share your thoughts and feelings on paper.
4: Um, Not always, no. I picked it up probably five years ago, uh, just as a hobby, just writing down thoughts, and pretty soon they turned into stories, and... Pretty soon the characters came to life for me and the endings always surprise me. I hmm. I just write. So and off
0: your your character in my head and it you, changes. Yeah, so it's it's more of an inspirational style of writing. Some of my writers you know, will put down a very detailed outline of where the story goes, who the uh, characters are, and all of this. The Gannett Brothers, this is the huh. second in a series, so these are people that are you live in Wyoming, so it's wide open spaces, and yeah. this book about fury uh, has to deal with horses and, and other outdoor activities. Is this uh, maybe from observation? Are you um, maybe expanding on things you've seen in Wyoming, or is this just a great imagination that's uh, come to light
4: a little of both um i was not raised around horses i do know people good friends of mine that are horse people and so i picked up a little bit here and there through the years i guess you could say but i just get ideas from different parts of wyoming yes and i've traveled all over wyoming and idaho and stuff like that but Yeah, mostly it's just out of my head.
0: Your background, you you, uh, have a background as a teacher in the teaching profession, as a substitute substitute teacher, and also in retail. And uh, then this has popped to the surface, so you say about five years ago. Your first novel, it dealt with the Gannett Brothers. Uh, Was it difficult to write that first novel, or was it uh, really, is it falling in stride just as a natural extension of your personality?
4: Um, Yeah, probably. I got inspired with that one through Wyoming Highway Patrol Association. My um, late father-in-law and brother-in-law both are uh, retired highway patrol colonels. Mm. And so through the years I heard stories and expanded on that, I guess you could say, of use of um, procedures and stuff like that. So I had help with my brother-in-law telling me what was, right and what was wrong, T- to put in there as far as procedural use goes. But um yeah, most of it was just because I've lived here all these years and just thought of characters and how to put it together. That first one was a little more difficult to start because I had to think of a storyline, uh, a beginning of these lives, and the second and third one are intertwined, so it's a little easier to follow that timeline as I went along. But yeah, the first one, it only took me nine months to write it, hmm. but it had taken a couple years to refine it and edit it and look back on stuff and change things, you know.
0: Yeah, this particular novel the uh, titled Fury is over 300 uh-huh. pages, so that is a uh, mammoth undertaking from my perspective of course I have a short attention span uh, was it any, was it complicated for you to to continue with these same characters uh, and and develop a story for them?
4: No, it kind of just flowed pretty easy on this one um, it just went from one event to the next on uh, storyline you know the climaxes and the down parts and how to inter interface with the next Character in the next book coming up. I had to kind of think of a way to. At the end, I had to think of a way to introduce the other characters, you know, for the next one coming up. Is kind of what the problem I'm having now with book five.
0: Mm, wow.
4: Starting that one.
0: <laughs> that's so, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
4: Yeah, it kind of just flows together. Like I said, the story in my head when I write it down, it changes a little bit, but I never know. Which turn it's going to take? I don't outline it first. I don't think ahead. It just it, it happens while I write. That's it
0: kind of just takes that's wonderful. Life of its own. Yeah, three hundred and some pages. And I would describe this at least uh, from my perspective. And I don't know if this is correct. That it's a, a novel that perhaps your audience would be a little more mature. You do deal with drug uh, yes. drugs in the in the book and other things. Uh, would you say it's uh, yes. strictly an, an adult book, or how would you describe it?
4: yeah it's it's adult crime fiction it has some erotica in it a little bit to put the characters together and stuff like that so but my 18 year old granddaughter read all three of them and it none of it bothered her so uh. you know Or as that goes, adult enough to handle it. Sure.
0: The the title Fury uh, deals with a horse by that name. If I uh, do understand the premise, these characters, the Gannett brothers, are 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 they uh, uh, horse people? Are they uh, are they rural? Are they ranchers? How would you uh, How would you describe them?
4: Yes, rural uh, Wyoming in the south. Uh, central location of Wyoming, uh, ranchers initially. So the, that's, this is the middle brother. He wanted to branch out on his own and have a ranch, a horse breeding ranch because he'd always loved the horses side of it. And the parents that own the family ranch are cattle ranchers, you know, with horses to handle the cattle, of course. Um, so that grew up more in love with the horse part of it. And wanted to branch out on his own. And so that's where he, he studied and researched, and of course, so did I. I had to research breeding of race horses in the high altitude climates and how that changes compared to, like, Kentucky, let's say. Right. Um, it's, it more has to be bred and raised in the high altitude, like, generations of horses. Hmm. But if you had. Um, Let's say you had the beginning of raised high-altitude thoroughbreds, a sire and a mare to start with, a good start, then you wouldn't need 40 generations. You would just need a couple to get a good resource.
0: Ah, good research on on that particular aspect. Yes. I had
4: to research that. Yes. yes.
0: Yes, and and the um setting is it uh, contemporary or is it uh, start with some history and then uh, deal with present time things or how would you uh, how would you describe that?
4: Um it's not too far in the past. Um 1990s, mm. late 90s up to 2000. Um it's more for the onset of um actual cell phone use out in the general public. Um Yeah, the highway patrolmen didn't have them in their cars yet. They had a personal ones was all type of deal because the first book was set more in 1993. Okay. 93 through 96. And then, so the second one is, you know, goes up to 99. So it's before the craziness of all the internet and all the social media and all the, cell phone usage you know it was more laid back more personable more just rural america
0: in looking at the book itself and uh, reflecting back on the storyline is there a a set up or a uh, an, an action scene that came to the surface that you think will will grab the attention of the reader
4: um yeah that's first part of the action scenes start with um, Catherine, the the girl that he's actually he wants her horse before he wants her, but you know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. always had his eye on both of them type of deal. Cause sure. The neighboring ranch, neighboring ranch's daughter. <clears throat> so she has a problem with an ex-husband that has hired people to come after her and you know, killer and stuff like that. He has, he's held a grudge for years. She got away from him and he's not going to let that happen. You know, if I can't have you, nobody can type of deal. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the first part is when, um, her life was, um, it was set off as a warning. Basically her barns were burned down and her house almost burned down and they were able to save, save that and save the house from burning and so it was like a warning I know where you're at I'm coming after you type of thing and so the family had to gather around and come up with um, the idea to keep her safe of course was Zach was going to be the bodyguard and so he took her to high country ground away from where the supposed ex-husband knew where she was located and so then he couldn't find her Hmm. and so it goes up further where to where he sends a sniper after her and so he the sniper guy just happened to um overhear the local ranchers talking about the Gannett brothers taking their cattle or going to pick up the cattle from the high country and bringing them down and they were hired on hands, you know, and so they're talking in a gun shop, and the sniper overhears what there's going on, and he recognizes the name, and so that gets a little intense because he follows and tries to kill everybody, of course, and doesn't get away with it, but you know... Mm.
0: That's uh, in the snowstorms
4: of Wyoming. Yes,
0: intense, intense action scene there for sure. The uh, yes. underlying message, or is there a way to describe your characters that sort of <coughs> floats to the surface of uh, the in, in the reader's uh, assimilation of the story? How would you uh, use some words? What words would describe your story?
4: Um, <clears throat> family above all is most important. The love of family and respect and keeping that family together, that's all what the Gannets are about. And so if anything happens to disrupt that family, the brothers are all about, you know, retribution type of thing. And so that's kind of what's carried all three of them together. There's something that always happens to one of all three of them that has to be taken care of.
0: In in looking at the Gannett brothers uh, now, would do you describe these guys as uh, these people, the, this family, as uh, the heroes of your story? Are they the bad guys? Uh, are they in between? Are they just humans? Uh, what what would be a way to describe them?
4: They're they're regular um, middle class folk. Like the first one is the hero is the highway patrolman. Of course, mm. that's his story. Yes, and so his. The law enforcement has to be carried through because they're going to need that, you know, all the way through to track other bad guys or other things that happen. And so, yeah, they each have their own personalities. So the brothers have different aspects. And so the wives are brought in, you know, other characters and eventually become the wives. I guess I shouldn't ruin that for everybody, but that's, you know, romance. That's what's going to happen. And so it's carried through for each aspect of of what happens. And this one in particular, Fury, took the longest to, or it's probably the longest of the the three that I have completed now, including the fourth one I've finished is that my editor right now is, I'm going to try and go a different direction with that one. Though I self-published all these three. Is why I have to self-promote. Is what I'm doing now with you. <laughs> yes. But the fourth one is hopefully will be picked up by a traditional publisher to try and get that going. Well, the other direction.
0: Phenomenal. The uh, story that uh, sticks out in my mind, or the idea is that with the proliferation of stories being filmed and, uh, and shot for either movie distribution or for series, uh, it sounds because you are writing a, a sequential novel style of writing and character building, this might be something that ends up in a series. Have you, uh, have you thought of that as a possibility?
4: Um, I haven't. Personally, I've been approached... By hmm. people that that want to talk about it, but of course they want more money too, oh. and so well. that's that's not that's, that's yeah. not going to happen for a <laughs> while. But yeah, it is written in a sequen- sequential uh, format. That is true. It has a timeline to it, so it flows pretty well through as the family grows and becomes more characters and more outsiders. You know, develop their own personalities too.
0: Excellent. Well, congratulations it's on completing, completing this one, the title of which is Fury, Gannett Brothers Saga 2. My author, Tina yes. Louise Atkins. Tina, my listeners will want to look at this and get a copy. How do they do it?
4: Um, they could contact the, the publisher is Exilbris. They could contact that directly, exilbris.com, or I have a website, like I could send. I've been sending out quite a few actually through the mail. I send out autograph copies. Beautiful to anybody. I'm um, through my Facebook page also.
0: If they do a search under your name. They can find yes. your website and any any other books you've published. And I'm also guessing that maybe the other online booksellers will have a copy of this available if they uh, wish to search and find it there.
4: Yes, Amazon.com, BarnesandNobles.com have this on on ebooks books and um, paperback. It's not, technically it's not a hardcover book, but yeah, either way, or um, I could send out autographed copies also. Excellent. So,
0: and Tina is, spelled, yeah, Tina is spelled T-E-N-A, Louise yes. Atkins, A-T-K-I-N-S. Tina, thank you that's for sharing your good. story and uh, fascinating history of uh, this book. And others that are in this series, the Gannett Brothers Saga 2, this one titled Fury. Thank you for joining me today.
4: Thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker.